Hi, everybody. My name is Jim Hogan, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, can somebody do me a favor? Things have been kind of going in and out on my computer. If I start getting a really bad digital gargle and you can't understand me, somebody text me, and I'll just go ahead and dial into the meeting on my phone. I want to thank uh, Ken for inviting me to uh, participate in my sobriety tonight. I need to tell everybody that uh, the most significant thing that I'm going to be able to say this evening is the fact that through the grace of a, of a higher power, the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, my willingness to work with a sponsor, I haven't found it necessary to take a drink from since December 12th of 1984, and for that I'm truly grateful. I want to thank uh, Jason for giving a very, very honest talk. Uh, Jason's one of these people that I've watched since he's come in. And um, he's like a lot of us. He doesn't think that he's making any progress, but uh, he's one of those people that um, I think carries the true message of Alcoholics Anonymous. And really it's about the fact that we just stay sober. We don't get style points, we just stay sober and we help another alcoholic and our lives get a lot better. You know, I'd like to wish Maddie a happy birthday. 12 years is a big deal. But most of all, I wanna welcome the six newcomers who identified tonight. I want to tell you something. I've never ever uh, met anybody that thought it was a great time to get sober. Usually when you walk into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, things aren't exactly going in your favor. Um, I've never gotten sober in the middle of a global pandemic, but I've been happy to say that I've stayed sober. You know, I, um, I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous on April Fool's Day of 1984 by a power greater than myself, which was the West Valley Court System of Los Angeles. And um, at the time they felt that um, the fact that I had been driving down Canoga Park Boulevard at three o'clock in the morning and my boss's Mercedes that he'd reported stolen, uh, chasing submarines uh, and um, blowing a 025 blood alcohol uh, test, they didn't think that that was exactly what you'd call normal and, and social drinking. And uh, back then, what happened was is that for a 502, I thought it was just horrific. I got a whole $300 fine. I had uh, my license impaired for a whopping 90 days. I had to go to an alcohol diversion um, class for three months. And I had to go to eight meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, the rest of the stuff I could get into. I mean, face it, you do the crime, you know, you, you, do, you, pay, you pay your time. But the thing that I, it really bothered me was this whole idea of having to go to Alcoholics Anonymous because I'm not an alcoholic. I was just a victim of bad luck. And, you know, I'd been a victim of bad luck for the previous 29 years. You know, you can't really see, a few of you know me, but I'm six foot five inches tall and I weigh 300 pounds. And um, I've looked about this since I was born. You know, I've always been physically and mentally different from the people around me. And uh, the thing that, that's odd about it is, is I don't come from a, a horrible family. I've got a great family. I'm an only child of an only child. You don't think I got some attention. I've never had to worry about violence in my household, not against me, not against other members of my family. You know what, I've always you know, slept uh, under a roof. I've never had to worry about being homeless. But you know, there's, there's something that makes me a little bit different than uh, you. I'm not sure what it is. But you know, it seems to me that somebody told you all the rules because I never understood them. 
And you know, I always felt different. And you looked like you were having a great time. And here I am, the Super Bowl with legs, wandering around. And you're letting me know that I'm different by calling me you know, great names like Baby Huey. And and you know, one of the things. This is what I know about you. I know that you know you're not very nice. I know that you know if, if you're bored one day and you need to demonstrate that you're better than I am, you're going to come pick a fight with me just to show me. And you know, what? I'll tell you you're better than me. But this is the, what I learned is in a real hurry is I need to stay the heck away from you. And so what I do is I do what most people do. I, I get into books. I joined the Boy Scouts. Yeah, so if, you're, if you were a Boy Scout and you're wondering, I can't be an alcoholic because I'm a Boy Scout, you're not immune either. I'm an Eagle Scout and I'm still an alcoholic. In fact, you know, the way that I, I met alcohol was on a Boy Scout camp out. And one of the senior guys there, um, I'm an Eagle Scout at the time, and uh, he hands me this bottle of, or he hands me this glass with this, you know, magic purple elixir in it called Spinata. Now, I realize that most of the people here have no idea what that was because you're just too darn young. But uh, Spinata was represented as a wine. It came in a gallon bottle. It had a cap, no cork. I don't think a grape ever touched the contents of it. But I will tell you this. I put a couple glasses of that down me. You want to know something? Suddenly I'm not um I'm not big anymore. In fact, I'm not shy anymore. In fact, you know, I'm having a great time. I'm I'm telling jokes. I'm having to, I, I'm having fun. You know, I've got all my semaphore down and I'm just rocking that camp out. The only challenge with it is, is that from the very first uh, time I drank, I set the pay, I really set the tone for all my drinking for the next uh, 16 years. Because what happened was, is I drank and I blacked out and I woke up the next day not knowing what the heck happened. Now, I'm sure that one or two of the people on this, uh, in this meeting have uh, done a little blackout drinking. So, you know, it's not really horrible. It's a little bit like time travel. You start here, you end up there. It's wonderful, it's just like that. The only problem with blackout drinking is there's always somebody the next day that tells you what you did the night before. And what I did the night before was is that uh, I got violently ill on the poor kids sleeping next to me in the tent. And you know, I'd like to say that my drinking got better than that, but it never really did. You know, I mean, what, what happened for me was that um, I spent the next 15 years trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And you, the only thing about it was is that my only friend was alcohol. You know what, I, um, I had jobs and I lost jobs. I, um, I always liked you know, going to meetings and hearing people that were really, really motivated you know, while they were drinking. The guys that go to Afghanistan to smuggle hash and elude you know, Russian helicopter gunships or the guys that commit big crimes. You know, I was a guy that used to sit at home with a quart of bud and a joint, watching Bugs Bunny, wondering when my life was going to turn around. And you know, I um, I mean, I it's not like I did that for 15 years. I mean, I um, I had a business that you know I, I couldn't get going, and I lost that. And I finally ended up uh, falling in with a, a group of guys that we called ourselves investment counselors, and what we were were phone thieves. And um, what we did is we raised money for investment that worked sometimes and sometimes they didn't. We always felt, you know, 
I made money, the customer lost money. One out of two ain't bad. Yeah, and um, and that went on for a, a few years until one day I um, got introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous for having a, a drunk driving ticket in Canoga Park. And the thing that, that happened was is that I went to this place called the Claire Foundation. And uh, the guy behind the counter looked like he was about, um, I don't know, a thousand years old. He looked like he was being held together by the tar off of the uh, unfiltered cigarettes he was smoking. And um, he gave me the 20 questions because I he had said, you know, do you think you got a problem with alcohol? I'm going, oh, no, I ain't got a problem with alcohol. I used to have a problem with Coke, but I'm better now. And he gave me the 20 questions. I think I got them all right. And he goes, and you don't have a problem with alcohol. And I said, well, no. And he goes, okay, here's how it is. You got to go to eight meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. You got to get them done by this date or you're going back to court. And uh, like any good alcoholic, what I did was, is I waited until the weekend before I had to turn in my card, but I knew I didn't want to go back to court. So I go to the meetings. And this is what I knew about you. I go to the meetings, I get there a minute before the meeting started so I didn't have to worry about you saying hello to me. I'd listen to you talking and you just made absolutely no sense to me. You're talking about steps and sponsors and God and feelings and, and you're talking about things that really, are you sure you wanna share that out loud? And every once in a while you'd look at me and you'd say, would you like to share? And I would say, no. The meeting was over, I grabbed my card and off I'd run. And you know, that went for six meetings. And then on the seventh meeting, I went to a place called uh, Serenity Manor on uh, 26th and Cloverfield in Santa Monica, it's an old house. And um, I walked up and there was a guy there and he's that guy that you go to at every meeting that every newcomer's met. He's that drunk with a big grin on his face. And he goes, hi, my name's Jack and I'm an alcoholic. What's your name? And I said, my name's Jim Jack. He goes, well, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. Go on in and get a cup of coffee and a, and a cookie. And I'm thinking, well, that was fine. And you know, I'm gonna tell you something, nothing happened. Nothing happened until I came to the last meeting to get my court card signed and there's Jack. And Jack just walks up to him and says, hi Jim, I'm glad to see you made it back. And if you, you, you wanna know when you got me? When Jack said, hi Jim. Cause you know what? It had been a long time since anybody had ever invited me back. You know, it said, it was good to see you or welcome back. You know, what well, most people were saying, what are you doing here? Yeah have my cash what are you doing we don't want you here you know when i i finally got got to alcoholics anonymous i was you know i was living in a prison that uh it's indescribable it's like solitary confinement simply because of the fact that i was all alone and what made it worse is the only person i was thinking about was myself so i lived in a very small and dark place you know that night at the meeting i i saw an, an eight foot Biker guy looked a lot like me, except for the fact that he was wearing a cut and a bandana and he had a bunch of ink on him. He was taking his six month ship and he said, you know what, my sponsor says you drink, you turn into a scumbag and you die. And I thought, pal, if I were you, I'd take, you know, I'd take heed of that. 
because I wasn't an alcoholic. And if you're new here tonight and you're not an alcoholic, let me share something with you. One meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous will horse up your drinking forever. You may not be done drinking, but if your experience is anything like mine, you're not gonna enjoy it anymore. The reason why? Because from now on, you're gonna hear these people in Alcoholics Anonymous in your head. Because that's what happened to me. I got, got my court card signed, I got my stuff done, I went back to drinking. But six months later, one more time, I've gone out, I've blacked out, I wake up, somebody tells me what I've done the night before, and uh, something had changed. You know, I understood what they were talking about with this whole concept of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. You know, I, at that point, I surrendered. I said, you know what, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's great for me. And you know, my journey in Alcoholics Anonymous started, um, at the Lions Club Stag in uh, Santa Ana. And, um, you know, the thing that I, I just couldn't understand was is that how you people got to know each other. And, and that lasted for three days until one, one night I got a sponsor. And uh, what this guy did was is he, he showed me how to work the program of Alcoholics Anonymous in spite of my best efforts and thinking to the contrary. You know, what he did was, is he made me, um, he made me get into action. You know, I, I complained to him that I didn't have any friends. He made me get commitments. I told him that uh, this woman had done me wrong and he took me off dating for a year. You know, I, I told him that I was broke and he made me get a job. You know, I told him that I wasn't really comfortable. And he goes, gosh, I understand that. And I got to do a fourth step. And, um, and, you know, my fourth step, I did it when I was 45 days sober. And, you know, for those of you who are hiding from it, let me tell you a secret. It's not really that bad. Because what happens is, is that you're carrying the stuff up here. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You put it down on paper, it gets right-sized. You say it out loud, but all the power goes away. And uh, for me, what I ended up, I ended up doing my fourth step with what it looked like was about a 22-year-old woman. I had all this nasty stuff that I thought in my mind around, you know, weird stuff with women and, you know, the fact that I, you know, taken money for investments and the customers lost. And, you know, I had, you know, I had kind of hosed up my relationship with my parents and um, I just felt really bad about myself. But, you know, and I ended up having to do my four step with her through an odd series of circumstances. And I'm going through all this stuff. I'm expecting some kind of reaction. I'm getting nothing. And uh, she says, you know, looks at me, says, are you done? And I go, yeah, I'm done. And she goes, um, great, I forgive you. And my turn. And she starts talking about how she's, you know, works at a construction company. And she's embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, how she slept with all three of her sister's husbands while they were married. And the more she's talking, the better I'm feeling about myself. You know, by the time it's all over with, I'm feeling, I mean, I'm almost feeling like a virgin again. And, you know, the thing that happened is, is that what I realized at that point is, is that, you know, I, I earned my, I felt like I earned my seat in Alcoholics Anonymous. And what it told me was, is this, is that, you know, and I'm not better than, I'm not worse than, I'm just a drunk. And if I'm just a drunk, I got to do what drunks do. You know, I, um, my sponsor got me into the steps, you know, really quickly. You know, I uh, identified my defects of character. I asked God to remove them. And you know what? If someone's telling you to work on your defects of character, let me give you a secret. 
If you give them to God, they're his. Because some of them he's going to keep around because you're going to need him to go through some of the stuff that he's gone, got, you know, he's put you through. You know, I um, made a list of the people that I harmed. And, you know, I became willing to make amends. And I made amends to them. And, um, you know, the, I, I will tell you this. If you're hiding from your amends because you've got to write a check, you're getting off easy. Because if you can solve a problem by writing a check in Alcoholics Anonymous, you ain't got a problem. And that's what I found also. You know, what happened for me was, so then I started into uh, 10, 11, and 12. And, you know, an odd thing happened. I think I was about two years sober. I, got, I, had, um, I had all the um, gifts of, of sobriety coming to me. You know, I, I, um, I met her um, at an AA party. Um, she had just gotten back from uh, the Caribbean and she had those disco moves, or I mean those uh, reggae moves, and I wanted what she had. And um, we ended up you know, moving in together and she was a, a good member of Alcoholics Anonymous and we were you know, AA boy meets AA girl on AA campus until one day Jim gets a job and they give him health insurance and Jim goes to the doctor because he's got a big brown spot on his shoulder. And they tell him, tell me, you know, hey, you've got a level four mal malignant melanoma and you're going to die. And um, let me tell you a secret. That's something that you really don't want to hear when you've got a couple years sober. You know, I mean, everybody says, oh, I just hope I die sober. Well, you know, I didn't want to. I still really don't. I mean, if I've got to die, I'd prefer to die sober, but I didn't really want to die at all. And I ended up going to a men's meeting. There was a guy there. Um, I can say his name now because he's dead. His name was Bill Marcus at the time. He had 46 years of sobriety. And um, Bill told me that it was just nothing trying to be something. What he told me was is that if I um, was willing to, to quit thinking about how big my problem was and how big my God was, then it'd be okay. And what he said was is this. When your knowledge of the power becomes greater than your fear, then the healing will begin. And, you know, I'll tell you something. I kind of rushed through, you know, my first three steps because I thought, you know, who's going to know? But when I was looking into over the, uh, the edge into uh, eternity without a God, I was very alone. But you know what? I didn't know if I believed it, but I could tell that Bill believed it. And I thought if Bill believed it with 48 years of sobriety, I could try it. And you know what? Bill became my bridge to God. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. You know, so what happens is, is that you get through all your steps and then guess what? I got through all my steps a little over a year. I've got 34 years of sobriety. What have I been doing for 33 years? Well, I've been living life one day at a time, you know, and, um, I'll tell you the odd thing about living life one day at a time, your life starts changing. And uh, one day at a time, uh, I, got a, I got a job. One day at a time, I got a better job. You know, you, you get the better jobs. You're not spending, you know, you're showing up to work regularly. I end up getting uh, my college degree. I get married. My wife and I have, uh, you know, we, we can't have kids of our own, but uh, we go out and we adopt three kids. And... Um, and, and, you know, the, the thing that happens is, is the world just keeps spinning. And what I found out is, is that if I kept doing the things that I did when I was new, 
then, you know, my life would continue to improve. You know, I, I sponsor people. I, um, you know, I, I take commitments at meetings. And, you know, the thing about it is, is it's kind of like, you know, when I had the cancer, you know, a lot of people say, you've got 34 years of sobriety. Why you keep doing the same stuff? And I, and I tell them, you know, when I had cancer, you know, I went to the doctor and, uh, but I also did things like uh, I, you know, meditated. I went to this place called the wellness community. People were having prayer circles for me. I was eating extra broccoli because of the fact that beta carotene supposedly, you know, cured cancer. When they told me, hey, we're sorry, we goofed up. It looks like you're not going to die after all. You know, I'm just thrilled. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that I don't know what it was. Was it the prayer circle? Was it that extra helping of, beta, of broccoli and the beta carotene killed the cells? I don't know. Don't care. Worked. You know, I don't know what keeps me sober. I don't. You know what, I don't know if it's the meetings that I go to. I don't know if it's the fact that I, I keep commitments. I don't know if it's the fact that I call alcoholics every day. I don't know if I work on a daily basis to try to um, maintain a relationship with a power greater than myself. But I will tell you this, I never want to do so little in Alcoholics Anonymous to find out how little it takes for me to go out and get drunk again. Because you know what, my life's just too darn good today. You know, I. Um, I'm not quite sure how much time I get, I've got, but I, I'm just going to tell you a couple of stories. Um, you know, one of the things that happens is, is that if you stay sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, you get a lot of stuff. I mean, really, you know, I mean, I don't know where anybody comes from. When I came from, where, where I came from, I had nothing. You know, and so over the years, you know, my wife and I, uh, we get married, we buy houses, you know, we uh, have a family. Um, and one day, um, yeah, and I, I've got my parents and, uh, one of the, the, the great amends that, you know, I had to make was with my father because when I got sober, my mother made the, you know, made the unpardonable error of saying, well, you're not an alcoholic. You should take your father. He's the drunk. And, uh, my father just said, you know what? I will never go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And you know, when I quit drinking, our relationship changed. And you know what, he was, he was cordial to me. But um, what happened was, is that I was about 20 years sober and um, I approached them with the idea of purchasing one of their properties. And uh, they told me, you know, we're not interested. And it really bothered me because I had the money. And, so I talked to my sponsor about it. He said, you know, just go talk to him and just ask him, is there anything that, uh, is there anything left unsaid between you? And I said, okay. So I went out there and um, I talked to him. And uh, what happened was, is that he just looked at me and said, no, there's nothing left inside, you know, unsaid between us. We love you very much. You know, you've made us very proud. You know, we don't have to worry about you anymore. We just don't want to sell that piece of property. And um, two weeks later, my dad had a stroke and died. And, um, you know, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous, for my sponsor telling me to do that. Because, you know, when my dad died, there was nothing left unsaid between us. You know, I, um, I ended up making amends to my dad for a long time because I got to take care of my mom. 
and my mom was a difficult person at best. You know, when we, uh, my dad had a drinking problem, but my mom uh, used to like pills. In fact, one day we uh, grabbed her and took her to her doctor and got all her medication. We had four trash bags full of things like Ambien and um, Vicodin and, and Oxycontin. And the doctor was just freaked out. And you know, we, we ended up having to take her and get her sober. And um, you know what, she wasn't happy about that. And you know, my mom and I didn't have a good relationship. But you know what, I did what I needed to do what, uh, to make amends to my father. And I cared for that woman for another seven years. You know, I made sure that her finances were covered, that she could live comfortably, and that she didn't want for anything. And um, you know, a few years later, my, uh, you know, I, we have three kids. My oldest has some strange toys in his attic. Um, he's violent. We have to end, ha end up having him transported out of our house. And, uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous took care of that. But my middle son was, uh, I'm saying, you know, you shouldn't have favorites for your kids, but he was our favorite. You know, he was funny, he um, sweet, and not a great student, but, you know, he just kind of marched by his own drummer. And uh, one day, um, he comes home, starts screaming at his mother, you people are making my life miserable because you're always telling me what to do. And so he runs out of the house and he joins the Marine Corps. And for those of you who are familiar with the Marine Corps, if you don't like people telling you what to do, the Marine Corps is not the right career choice because they tell you what to do seven by 24 for as long as you're enlisted. And, but you know what, he loved it. And um, you know, he signed up for the infantry and, you know, and he, uh, one day he deployed to Afghanistan and I asked him, I said, you know what, are you gonna come see us before you go? And he goes, no, I don't think so. Because he was irritated because we weren't showing him adequate respect or something. And I talked to a buddy of mine in AA who said, you know what, you just go ahead and, uh, Tell him you love him. Tell him you're proud of him. And, you know, he'll come around. And um, about three months into his deployment, we get a call from overseas. And unfortunately, we weren't there, but we've still got the recording of the voicemail where he said, you know what? I'm sorry I haven't called you. I want you guys to know that I loved you. The next day, three Marines showed up on our doorstep. And... Uh, to tell us our son had been killed by an IED. That he'd been out on a patrol and um, saw somebody pulling a kite string to trigger this IED. And rather than run, he pushed the guy nearest him out of the way and he got in between the bomb and the, guy, the rest of the guys on his patrol. It's killed instantly. And um, You know, if I hadn't talked to that guy in Alcoholics Anonymous, he told me to tell him that I was proud of him. I don't think that um, you'd have the same speaker here tonight. Because you know what, the grief was so overwhelming. But to couple that with um, remorse, 
I don't think I could have survived it. You know, if you're new here tonight, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you believe in God or not, but God believes in you. He solved your problem long before you were aware of it. How do I know that? Well, a few years before that, I was uh, of the opinion that you had to have a high profile commitment or else you weren't a really progressive alcoholic. How would anybody know what a great alcoholic you were unless you were the secretary of a big speaker meeting? And um, I was supposed to be the speaker of the, Saturday, the secretary of the Saturday night uh, Canyon Club meeting. And I got in a pissing match with a couple of the uh, guys there. And after the election, I had six months worth of speakers and uh, no meeting. And um, so what happens is, is that I end up uh, talking to my sponsor. He goes, hey, I've got a great meeting that you can go to that our current secretary can't get a, a, a speaker that, that can carry an AA talk in a bucket. Why don't you just come over here? And through an odd series of events, I became the secretary of, at the time, Orange County's largest gay AA speaker meeting. And uh, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny because of the fact that I was homophobic. And um, my wife was a little nervous because she was afraid that more was going to be revealed. But um, you know what happened was is that um, I was at a place in my sobriety where they, um, I had to start doing the same things I was doing as a newcomer all over again. I had to reach my hand out. I had to you know, work with other alcoholics. And you know what? Those guys were very kind to us. Now, I tell you that story to tell you this story. When my son came home, those guys at that meeting took care of all of the arrangements for our son's memorial service. They did all the food. They did all the decorations. They did all the cleanup. And you know what? It's always made me realize that no matter what difficulty that I'm going through today, that God's got a plan for me. You know, I, um, to uh, Jason's point earlier, you know, if you're new here for a while, there's a reason why we tell you to do the same stuff over and over and over again. You know what, the, the secret to being spiritual, is you got to have a ritual. You know, you say your prayers every day. You talk to three alcoholics. You, um, you know, take your commitments and you go to regular meetings so that if you're having a problem, they know you well enough that they can, they can tell you, tell you've got a problem before you're even aware of it. But you know what happened is after my son died, you know, it, it's odd, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, when I was talking about God uh, holding on to your defects of character as long as he found them useful, you know what? The last thing on earth that you know anybody could have done for us was say, oh, "Oh, we're sorry," you know, because of the fact that they knew who we were. We've spent years telling people we can get through anything the life throws at us as long as we've got God, Alcoholics Anonymous, and our sponsors. So you know what Alcoholics Anonymous did to help us? Hey Jim, can you cover my coffee commitment? Hey Jim, can you go talk out in Upland? Hey Jim. You know that really goofy newcomer you hate? He needs a ride to the meeting. Can you go get him? And you know what? What Alcoholics Anonymous did is they, they kept throwing commitments at us and kept us close. 
the day that we brought our son home from uh, the airport and took his remains down to uh, San Clemente. You know, my wife spoke in an AA meeting that night. Why? Because she made a commitment to do it. You know, we, don't, we believe that there's no reason on earth to break a commitment in Alcoholics Anonymous because Alcoholics Anonymous has given us so much. You know, but what happened for me was, is that, um, you know, I started uh, backing away from Alcoholics Anonymous because you know what, you guys don't understand. How many of your kids just died in Afghanistan? And you know, it's slowly but surely, I'm just sitting in the back. I'm not communicating anymore. I quit praying. I keep uh, judging you. And you know what, I'm just insane. My sponsor dies. I'm worse than saying. And uh, one day I run into a guy that, you know, I'd been trying to, uh, you know, establish a relationship with him. He told me, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. You're the angriest person I know in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I told him, I said, I need some help. And he goes, call me. And you know what? He took me through the steps again. And what I found out was, is this, is that, you know what? Is, it doesn't matter if I've got a problem. It doesn't matter if I'm uh, backed out of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because what he did was he walked me through the bedevilments again. And if you haven't read them, read page 52, because what it is is a diagnosis for untreated alcoholism. And what I found out was is I was dying of untreated alcoholism in a, in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. But you know what? He got me back on my program. I worked the steps again. I did another inventory. And you know what? I will tell you this. God um, doesn't make too hard a terms for those who seek him. Even if you lose the connection, it's not because of him. He's not the one that's new. All you have to do is walk back and open, open up your arms. He'll take you back. You know, I, um, I'm always amazed over the fact that over 34 years I've witnessed Miracle after miracle after miracle. And I've been the recipient of miracle after miracle after miracle. And I have to confess to you every once in a while, you know, and I, I sit there and I think to myself, well, yeah, God, what have you done for me lately? And, uh, you know, he does for me every day. So after my son died, my wife and I started a little nonprofit to uh, help the Marines because they were very kind to us. And they uh, asked us, you know, we asked them when they went back, hey, what do you need? And they said, well, you could send us some socks. Okay, that sounds ridiculous. But we started sending them socks and to my son's old platoon. And one day I get a note from another kid in another platoon that says, hey, Mr. Hogan, if you're sending socks, can we get some too? And then we pretty soon we get another note. And uh, the next thing we know, you know, we've started a nonprofit. And as of a couple months ago, we've sent over 60 tons of socks to the guys forward. And, um, you know, it, it's really kind of changed our lives. But um, one day, um, we are, we're, we're trying to find a guy to help us. And uh, we finally get an appointment. It's taken us years to get this. And we're nervous and we go up to see him. And uh, we do what we always do. We, we say a prayer before we go in and we say, God, ask, you know, just put the words in our mouth to help another human being. 
And uh, we're talking to him for about five minutes and he said, yeah, you know what? I feel sorry about your son. You know, I just lost my wife. And I said, really, I'm sorry. Because yeah, she was the main speaker at an Al-Anon convention and she died of a heart attack. I'm an alcoholic. You can't make this stuff up. You know what we tell him, you know what? <laughs> That's funny, we're sober too. He goes, yeah, and we, we talk about our sobriety days. He goes, yeah, well, I've got two more years than you do. And you know what? One more time, God solved my problem before I was even aware that I had it. You know, I am um, going to leave you with this. For you new people, it may sound a little odd. and You may sound, you know, really kind of rough, but um, it's not really. You know, um, when I was about 20 years sober, I was traveling a lot and my wife um, decided I needed to spend some more time with my son. So she signed us up for a rock climbing school. Now, I don't know about any of you. I don't like getting up on a step stool. I'm gonna go climb up the faces of cliffs, but he was into it and I couldn't say no. And so off I went and you know, I was willing. And uh, I was planning on staying on the ground and taking pictures, but the instructor wasn't having anything out of it. And you know what I found out is? Rock climbing is kind of contrarian. You know what? I would think that you lean in and hold on to the face of the rock. But the reality is that they give you these shoes with like racing slicks on the bottom. And so you put the, the shoes on the face of the rock and you lean back and it holds it. I think you use your arms. No, you use your legs. And you know, the thing that I found out was is that every move that you make going up that rock face is the same as it's, you know, it's gonna predicate the ease or the difficulty of the next move. And the other thing about it is, is that you're holding onto a rope and you don't really believe that that's gonna work until you slip and then you fall. And then all of a sudden when you feel the weight feel that tension in the rope pick up and you jerk, you know it's gonna be okay. You know what? I've spent 34 years taking contrarian action, doing things that I didn't think made any sense, and grateful that Alcoholics Anonymous have been holding my rope. And because you've been holding my rope, I've had a great life. Thank you so much for allowing me to participate.